Take your Bibles and open them to Genesis chapter 27, or your iPads or your phones or whatever you've got. Every one of us has a script for our lives. In the script, we're always the hero, or the closest thing to it. The script, no matter what happens in life, we, and we get entangled with conditions and, um, and experiences, but in the end, we figured out, we got it all, uh, all made up in our heads, and we end up, no matter what, looking like we end up on the bright side. And here's the deal, and this is where we started last week, as we discuss, as we begin our discussions on Jacob. Uh, this is a brand new series that we're going through. Jacob uh, was known as an individual who did not like God's script. He liked his script. And so he struggled and grappled for every inch that he could get in life. And when I met with the, uh, with the team uh, before we came up, we meet together, we go over the service and we pray together. When I met with them, I, I, uh, I, I told them an illustration that is so true in our world. We live in a world today where everybody grapples for every inch they can get. So that they can look better, they can come up brighter, they can, uh, they can make it. Um, we even have words for it, like dog-eat-dog. And, and so whatever it takes, we look for ourselves to get ahead. And the hardest thing is to look for somebody or an attitude in somebody or an attitude in ourselves where we say, it's not about my script for my life, but it's about God's script for my life. That is unnerving. It's, it's uneasy. It requires patience. <laughs> yeah, Gina's favorite word. Uh, there's, there's a lot of potential for pain. You literally are giving somebody else control of your life. Now, for the unbeliever, that is the hardest thing in the world to do. That's why it's hard to kneel at the cross of Jesus Christ. Because when you give your life to Jesus, you are saying, not my will, but your will be done. You're trying to mirror the words of Jesus when he was in the garden. Remember, not my script, but your script be done. That's very difficult to do. Because if there's one thing in life we like to have, it's control over our own lives. We already know we can't control others' lives, though some of us try to. It's very difficult to give up control of our own lives. And the hardest thing, maybe, is that it requires surrendering my rights. And saying God's way is the right way and my way is no longer the right way. There's a verse in Proverbs 19.21 I like. Many other plans in the mind of a man, but it is, church, will you say this with me? It is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So we create the script and try and follow our script, but ultimately God's purposes will be done. Jacob was never satisfied with God's script for his life. So he made a pattern in his life of doing it on his own, taking the bull by the horns, making it happen. He had a hard time trusting God. So he grappled for every inch he could get to put him in the superior position of life. Last week we found that he defrauded Esau out of his birthright. And I got to tell you, it only gets worse from there. This Sunday is, is no better. In fact, uh, have you, do you, how many of you know what a word cloud is? Do you know what a word cloud is? You probably don't know the word, but you've probably seen it before. I did a word cloud of some of the repetitive words in Genesis 27, and here's what that word cloud looked like. Isn't that amazing? Genesis 27 is a continual uh, uh, move toward depravity in the life of Jacob. 
he keeps grappling for every inch he can get on his own. And this is, uh, this is a, a picture of what Genesis 27 looks like. In this incident today, you're going to find a couple of things. It is a painful incident, as you can see from the words on the screen. It is a longer incident. We have a long passage of Scripture to go through this morning, but it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to enjoy it. It is a sad incident. There's so much pain for so many people in this chapter, and it is a confusing incident. Who is the responsible person in this chapter? Who is the hero? In fact, here is the thing I've looked forward to the most all week, all right? Ah, we're going to do a game together this morning. You want to do a game together? All right, here's the game we're going to do together. We're going to go through Genesis 27. It's long, it's painful, it's, it's, uh, it's just going to tear your heart out, but you're going to enjoy it. By the end of it, your job is to figure out who is the hero, all right? Who emerges as a prevalent, righteous hero in this story? Now, some of you may be thinking, well, Craig, I've heard this story before. Genesis 27 is about Jacob stealing not the birthright, but now the blessing. So we can figure out who the villain is, and we can, we can pretty much figure out who the hero is. Oh, just wait. This, this is why it's going to be fun, all right? You ready? So here, what's your project? Figure out who the... Or the good guy. Just figure out any good guy in the story. Here we go. Number uh, Genesis chapter 27, verse 1. When Isaac was old, Isaac is Jacob and Esau's father. Jacob and Esau are twins. Esau emerged first. Jacob was holding on to his heel, and they have fought with, them, with each other their whole lives. All right? Verse 1. Isaac was old and is... Oh, and by the way, at the end of the message today, I have a sixth sense moment for you. Do you, do you know what the sixth sense is? Yeah, you're going to love this. All right, sorry, sorry. I'm excited about this message. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, go to the field, hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love. And bring it to me so that I may eat, and my soul may bless you before I die. Isaac is getting old. He doesn't know when he's going to die. He wants to make sure that he passes on the greatest blessing to Esau. Now, you're probably sitting there thinking to yourself, what is a birthright and what is a blessing? I'm glad you asked. Uh, A birthright is what we talked about last week. This is what Jacob defrauded Esau out of with a good bowl of red vegetable stew. A birthright is a double inheritance. So this is more of a legal context, all right? This, res- this birthright represented legal issues. Uh, if you're the firstborn in the family and your parents die, you are given the responsibility to make sure everything goes correctly after that last parent dies. That's the idea of a birthright. Some things that are involved. You get a double inheritance. You are responsible for the family when the patriarch dies. You're responsible for the estate and what to do with the estate and how to pass on the estate. You're responsible to carry on the family name. That is on your shoulders. There's other things involved here, but basically, you now must be type A if you're not type A. It's time to grow up, all right? That goes with the birthright. Now, the blessing, that's a little different. The blessing is like a last will and testament that the dying person passes on to each one of the members of the family. It actually was one of the ways that God's will was revealed to the next children, to the children of the family, the, of the patriarch, 
who's dying. This was the icing on the cake. This was the good stuff, right? Blessing, does blessing indicate a good thing or a bad thing to you? Yeah, it's a good thing. This is what you want. You want a blessing from your dad before he dies. While the birthright went to the firstborn son, everybody could receive a blessing. There's only one birthright. But you, that father that's dying could give out a lot of blessings. But the best blessing was reserved for, guess who? Firstborn. The firstborn. The best blessing went to the firstborn. And the birthright usually accompanied the blessing. And that always went to the firstborn. So, Esau probably thinks at this point in time, this might be his way to get the blessing and the birthright back. All in one fatal blow. Clearly, though, Esau was more anxious to receive the blessing than he was the birthright. Do you remember our last verse we talked about last week? Esau walked away despising not Jacob, but despising the birthright. I don't think he ever wanted to be responsible. But he wants the blessing. All right, let's pick up in verse 5. Now, Rebecca was listening, (laughs) like a good mom. Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went out to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare it for me, uh, prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Rebecca's eavesdropping. Here's an intimate conversation between Isaac and Esau. Goes directly to Jacob and says, Jacob, let's put a plan into motion. Verse 8. Now, therefore, my son, by the way, do you think she's waiting for this? She knows it's coming, right? All right. Verse 8. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats, so that I may prepare them uh, from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless who, church? So that he may bless you before he dies. Now, keep in mind, everybody receives a blessing from the father before the father dies, but... The best, the best blessing is for the firstborn. So Rebecca puts a plan into motion. What do you think of Rebecca here? On a scale of one to ten, ten being, I wish she were my mom, and one being, I really don't care for it all. Where, where, where would you be? One to ten. One. Anybody up to a ten? This is pretty deceitful, right? Not only that... <laughs> She's going to cook Esau's recipe for Isaac and give Jacob the credit. She's doing the cooking. She's going to help Jacob complete the circle and get the birthright and the blessing. Verse 11. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, (laughs) and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me. Does that not get you weirded out there? Why would he feel his son? Because he can't see, right? Yeah. And maybe because he thinks he's got some deceitful children running around in the house. All right. Twelve. Perhaps my father will feel me and I I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Obey my voice. Go bring them to me. 
Jacob is concerned that Rebecca's plan won't work, but he doesn't argue with her. The only thing he's concerned about is if he gets a curse instead of a blessing, what's going to happen? And Rebecca is so determined to get Jacob this blessing. She says, if you get found out, you blame me. Whatever curse he puts on you, I'll take it myself. I'm the one that's, that's doing this deal. Oh, by the way, can I just say one thing? Parents, please work together for your children. <laughs> when you pit your children against each other, bad things happen. Like, this is not a biblical thing to do. We're not supposed to be reading this and going, I'd like to be a lot like Rebecca. That's not. Rebecca loved Jacob, and Isaac loved Esau. That is a recipe for disaster. Make sure you love your children and honor them equally. All right? Okay, on we go. Verse 14. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were in the house, is going to shock you, and put them on who? Put them on Jacob, her younger son, and the skins of the young goats that she had just killed, she put on his hands and the smooth part of his neck, and she put delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. Intentional much? Do you believe this? Why would she put hair on the back of the hands and on the neck of her smooth son Jacob? Deceitful. Yeah. Verse 18. So he went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Red flag, red flag. Jacob said to his father, <coughs> I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. Jacob is all in at this point. And not only that, but think about this. Jacob and Rebekah are willing to take advantage of their father's and husband's weakness to get this done. That awful? Poor blind man. Verse 20. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? Red flag, right? He said, and he answered, and he blames God. Listen, because the Lord your God granted me success. He just sent Esau out. He said, Esau, go prepare me that meal that I really love in case I die tomorrow. I really want to enjoy it. I'll bless you. We'll get the whole thing done right here. Esau leaves the tent. Jacob comes in 10 minutes later, and, and, and uh, Isaac is going, how'd you find the animals so quickly? He goes, God granted me favor. God granted me favor. Not only did I kill it, skin it, and uh, do everything I needed to do, but I cooked it, and voila, here it is. Jacob credits God for his deceit. I love it. God is good. He let me cook super fast. Verse 21. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may, what, church? <laughs> yeah, red flags all over the place. That I may feel you, my son, to know whether or not you are really my son Esau. He's already suspicious. Why? I think he knows Jacob already stole the birthright. And he certainly knows the, the character of his kids at this point. He knows. He knew what the younger son was up to. He knew what the younger son was capable of. You know, you probably know your own kids that, that well, right? Like if somebody pulls something in the house and you're thinking to yourself, all right, I've got four kids, and if any one of them would do it, it'd be the third kid, right? <laughs> Not for us, though. Our third kid is just spectacular. All right. <laughs> Verse 22. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Esau was so hairy, he felt like a goat. 
And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's hands. So it worked. So, so he blessed him. Verse 24, he said, Are you really my son Esau? And Jacob answered, I am. Liar. And then he said, Bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. How long do you think it took his father to eat and drink this food? 20 minutes? 30 minutes? It took a little, a little, little length of time, don't you think? Do you know what Jacob was doing this whole time? Do you think he was sweating? Yeah? Or do you think he was just sitting there thinking, I'm pulling this off? I think he was backed away from his dad so that he wouldn't have to do any of that feeling, smelling stuff anymore. And he just let his dad eat, and he watched him eat while he plotted against him. Verse 26, And his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. Now do you think he's sweating? So he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of Esau's garments. So he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. Listen, even after the questioning, even after the eating, even after all of that, Isaac is still suspicious. I think he knew his kids. Deceit runs deep in the heart of the younger son, and Isaac knew it. Verse 28. Here's the blessing. May God give you the dew of the heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. And may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you. And blessed be everyone who blesses you. You have to understand, this is a fragmented version of the Abrahamic blessing. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob got the blessing that Isaac was responsible to pass on to his children. Abraham was given this blessing by God. Everyone who curses you will be cursed. Everyone who blesses you will be blessed. Uh, your, your, your seed will be like the stars of the heaven. You're going to have more than the sand on the seashore. Kids are going to be like, like plentiful. You remember all of that? That gets passed on to Isaac. Isaac is the conduit through which that blessing would be passed on. And at this moment of time, in Genesis chapter 27, he gives the blessing to a deceitful liar. Verse 30. As soon as Isaac had finished the blessing, Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of his father. Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Here's where your heart's going to break. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. This must have been a planned moment. Esau knew it. Isaac, uh, 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 Jacob knew it. Rebecca knew it. This had to be a special day. And Jacob knew this was his opportunity to take, steal the blessing and take advantage of his father. Verse 32, his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. I've been hunting, I've been cooking this meal. Remember, we just had this conversation about six hours ago. Then Isaac trembled very greatly. Why do you think Isaac trembled very greatly? He knows he's been had. Yep. I think there's a lot of emotion in this trembled very greatly. I think he was fearful. I think he was angry. I think he was regretful. His one job in life, church, his one job in life was to pass that Abrahamic blessing on to the right son. And he missed it. It's like, it's like being in the Olympics, you know? 
You, 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 you work for being in the Olympics. You, you swimmer. You, Michael Phelps, you're, you're, you're working, you're swimming, your whole life is dedicated to it. You have no social life and no social skills because you only, you only see the bottom of the pool. That's your whole life. Then you get to the Olympics and you miss by one one-hundredth of a second. Isaac drops the ball. I can't imagine how he feels at this point. This one job to do, and he gave it to the wrong kid. Verse 34. Oh, hang on. Did I feel? No. Verse 33. Isaac trembled very, very violently and said, Who is it that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came. And I blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. How do you think Isaac felt? You want to know? Verse 34. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceeding great and bitter cry. And he said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Isaac has been telling Esau his entire life that the blessing of his grandfather would be passed on to him. He would be the one who had children that would make up a great nation someday. This would be the nation of Israel, by the way. This blessing was supposed to come through Esau. He was the firstborn. Esau knows this has been stolen from him. And he knows the weight of this deceit. Verse 36, Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? Do you know what that means? You know what that one phrase means? That means Jacob has been pulling this kind of stuff on Esau his entire life. You know what it literally says in the Hebrew? It says, Jacob, Jacob me. I got Jacobed. Esau changes Jacob's name from grappler to deceitful liar. It's like, it's like, you, it's like you using a name and, and saying, oh, uh, I, got, I got punked, and you insert a name there. You, you know, I got Michaeled. Or, uh, you know. That's such a Michael thing to do. Jacob, Jacob me. Esau might have seen this as a chance to make the former situation right again. He could get the birthright back. He could get the blessing with the birthright. But now, it's all gone. Verse, uh, here, here, here we have the worst words of the whole chapter. And then Esau said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Is there nothing left, Dad? In desperation... Jacob has taken everything for him, and he just wants something from his father. Verse 37, Isaac answered and said to Esau, Esau, I'm sorry, but I have made him lord over you. And all his brothers I have given to him for servants. In other words, everybody in this family is going is to serve Jacob. Grain and wine I've promised to him. What, what more do I have to give to you? What do I have left to, to bless you with? It's all gone. Verse 38, Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing left, my father? Bless me even also, O my father. And he lifted up his voice and cried in front of his dad. Finally, Esau realizes what he just has been taking for granted his whole life because he doesn't have anything of it left. Then Isaac, his father, verse 39, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, away from the dew of heaven on high. But your sword, by the sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. When you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. There's the Esau blessing. 
On a scale of 1 to 10, which one would you rather have? The Esau blessing or the Jacob blessing? One is clearly better than the other, wouldn't you say? But this is the best Isaac could give Esau. He saved everything for his firstborn. Everything that he was responsible for. The conduit of God to pass on that great blessing given to Abraham, he passed on to Jacob. But with the reality of that previous blessing, Esau and his descendants would now have to serve his brother Jacob. And the whole process eventually would wear him down so much that they would break from the yoke of Jacob at some point. Verse 41. Now Esau... Church, would you just read that for me? Because it's just heartbreaking. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning from my father are approaching, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. Hmm. Esau begins to court a heart of anger and murder. And it gets worse, verse 42. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah, his mom. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself, about plan, uh, comforts himself with plans about killing you. Now, have you ever known somebody who comforted themselves with plans about murdering somebody else? That is a dark hole. Right? If I have a bad day and I want to think about something nice, I think about fly fishing in a Wisconsin stream. Esau has a bad day and he wants to think about something that will bring him joy again. He thinks about all the ways he could off his brother. That is a dark place. And by the way, how does Rebecca know what Esau's thinking now? Only one way. Esau has stopped thinking about it And Esau has begun to talk to other people about it. That is a dark place. Now other people know, hey, uh, maybe today's the day Esau's going to kill his brother. Here, put your bets in. Let's see how it's going to be done. Is it with a knife? Is it with a rock? Is it with choking in his sleep while he's awake by the river? What's it going to be? Throw your bets in. Everybody knows what's going to happen. Verse 43. Rebecca says, Therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother, and Haran. And stay with him for a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away for you, and he forgets what you did to him. (laughs) Sorry, what we did to him. I said, my bad, but what, what you have done to him. And then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? All right, you love the story? Love the story? You feel like, feel like your heart's gotten ripped out of your chest? All right, do you remember your homework? Here we go. Before we do your homework, two big questions. Let's make the first question your homework. All right, would you turn to your neighbor and ask them, who do you think the bad bad guy was in the story? Go ahead. Yeah, right now, just turn to your neighbor. Who do you think the bad guy was in the story? All right, got it? Uh, It's a little harder than you thought, right? All right, here's the big question. Who is the hero in the story? Go ahead, ask your neighbor. Who do you think the hero was in the story? Oh, man, I'd love to be in on all these conversations. Who's the hero? All right, time's up. Who's the bad guy? (laughs) I'm not answering this because I think... You're pulling a Jacob on me. 
Rebecca's a bad guy? Jacob's not so bad? <laughs> what about Esau? Esau's not bad, is he? What about, what about Rebecca? She's not so, or uh, Isaac, he's not so bad, is he? <laughs> he knew. He knew. And he loved the wrong, the wrong kid. Uh, he, well, he, he loved one kid more than another. Listen, why is Isaac doing this? He's doing this to bless his favorite son. That's why he's doing it. He might have even known the prophecy given to Rebekah that the, bless, or, uh, the one through whom the blessing would go is going to be Jacob. But he's hell-bent on getting the blessing to Esau. I think Isaac doesn't care. I think Isaac wants to give it to his favorite son because he's a good cook. His only job was to pass this blessing along. He drops the ball. Why is, why is Jacob doing this? He's jealous of his brother, grappled with him his whole life, conniving mom, collaborating with her, agreed to take advantage of a handicapped dad. Why is Jacob doing it? He knew his... Listen, how many people in here think that Jacob thinks he's going to get away scot-free after he pulled these two things? He knows he's going to be on the run, and he still does it. What about Esau? Why is Esau doing this? He gives his responsibility as the older brother to his, son, to, to his brother for a bowl of vegetable stew. He doesn't care. He doesn't value what his father ta- taught him to value. He allowed his angry heart to turn into a murdering heart. And he married somebody that would tick his parents off. Did we, did we skip a slide? Look at the slide here we have for uh, this one. If you read for, uh, the, the passage before this, in uh, Genesis 26, verse 34, it says, When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemeth, the daughter of Elon, to the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. Esau knew if he was going to be the one that receives a blessing as a firstborn, he has to marry somebody in the bloodline. He chooses not to. He marries a Hittite, uh, somebody from the land. He doesn't seem to care about this blessing or his responsibilities at all. Why is Rebekah doing this? God had already told her that Jacob and Esau would be two great nations. She might have been trying to protect the, the bloodline. And I think that she was, because the last two verses, or the last verse in Genesis 27 says this, verse 46. Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jer- Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like this, of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Because the blessing needs to go through a pure bloodline. Esau's already ruined that. Maybe Jacob will as well. Rebecca knows, and she's hell-bent on getting this blessing and birthright to her favorite son, and she's not willing to wait on God to do it. So she takes it into her own hands and deceives her husband. Everybody in the story tries to hang on to or grab a hold of power that is not theirs to have. It's a power grab. Second question. This is your sixth sense moment. How old do you think these kids were when this happened? 20. I actually told my, uh, at confession time, I told my, uh, my group how old I thought they were at the time that this whole thing happened, and I was way off. In fact, we're never told of the age of these guys until you go forward to when Jacob has his children, and you begin to do the math backwards. And then you can figure out how old Jacob and Esau, the twins, were when Jacob stole Esau's 
blessing. They both were 70 years old. (laughs) I just blew your mind, right? These weren't kids. These were grandparents. I mean, they didn't have kids of their own. Esau might have had some kids of his own by this point, but these guys were old enough to know better. And Rebecca was ancient. (laughs) So you know what's happening? Rebecca and Isaac knew these guys for 70 years. They knew the kind of things they pulled on them for 70 years, and nothing changed. So that when when Jacob came in to steal a blessing, Isaac was suspicious, suspicious, red flag, red flag, red flag. Why? Because this stuff had been going on already for 70 years. Blows my mind. And and Jacob is still a mama's boy. (laughs) Well, at least now we know why Esau is so hairy, right? Not that that happens to 70-year-old men. I'm not saying that, but so what? Here's some so what's for you. Number one, when heroes are lacking, God is still working. You might not see God in your experience, but he's always working for his will to be done. Can I just blow your mind one more time? In God's perfect plan, the blessing was always meant to go through Jacob. Even though these guys were pulling these games and deceitful and rebellious and treating each other like dirt, God's plan was always for the blessing to go through Jacob, not Esau. You can read about it in Romans 9. It would blow you away. But God always planned for Jacob to be the one. The older will serve the younger. God's plans will always prevail no matter what. So the good news for us is if you think that you're messing things up beyond where God can reconstruct them, you are sadly mistaken. Let me remind you once more of a verse that we started off with. Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is, church, would you read it with me? It is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And that will get you through life, especially on the days you mess things up. Number two, sometimes bad guys win. But at what cost? Remember the word cloud that we had at the beginning? This word cloud that describes Genesis 27 so terribly. The dysfunction in this family. Isaac thinks he's a failure. His one task, he drops the ball to pass on the blessing. Rebecca will do whatever she can to deceive her husband so that she can get for her favorite son what she thinks he needs. Jacob is on the run for the next 20 years of his life. He's on the run for his life. And Esau only wants one thing. What does Esau want? Jacob's head on a platter. Yeah. Sometimes bad guys win, but at what cost? And if you don't do things God's way, you're going to mess things up. Wait on the Lord. His will will be done. He's got a plan for your life. Your best option is to obey today, go to bed, and wait and see what he has for you tomorrow. Obey tomorrow, go to bed, wait to see what he has for you the next day. And allow him to do whatever he's doing in your life. And just be obedient in the process. That's tough. Because we like to have power. Give God the power he deserves to have. Number three, when you give up the power stance to God, you realize you really win. You get tired of winning. Uh, You don't have to fight for your standing before God. Jesus already fought that for you on the cross. God already loves you. You don't have to earn his favor. Let him do what he wants to do for your life. We talked about it last week. 
God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, right? Those two go hand in hand. You don't have to grapple for power. You have to surrender the dominant position to God. Once you do that, truly you can never lose your standing before God. Mirror the heart of our Savior, not my script, but your script be done. Esau, by the way, would have done anything to get that blessing back. And can I just tell you one other thing that's going to break your heart even more? Anytime Esau is mentioned in Scripture from this point forward, it's always in a negative context. Isn't that sad? He got ripped off! And anytime his name comes up in Scripture, it's always in a negative context. In fact, in the Hall of Faith, in Hebrews chapter 11, Jacob is elevated. And by the time you get to Hebrews chapter 12, Esau's name is brought up. Jacob is elevated as a person of honor and faith. And then you get to Hebrews chapter 12, and it says this, For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he, meaning Esau, was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Esau was required to repent. What did he do wrong? Jacob's the deceiver. Esau. Esau was required to repent. And I don't think Esau, I think Esau was, had done damage to himself because he did not appreciate his standing in the family. Listen, as Christians, we have a birthright and a blessing that belongs to us already. Did you know that? You don't have to grapple for it. You don't have to work for it. The Bible calls it our inheritance. And this is given to us because of Jesus Christ. In fact, we might grapple for power in our lives, and we don't have to because the greatest power is already at work within us. The Bible says The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work within you. God is on your side. (laughs) Technically, you are on God's side. And his power is at work in your life to complete an amazing script. But you have to regularly surrender your will to his. And then we have an inheritance given to us because of Jesus Christ. He secured it for us through his death and resurrection We accept the gospel because he puts the gospel into our heart. Faith is what guards this for us, and the Holy Spirit is what guarantees it for us. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us our position before the Father. Here's one verse I want to share with you, and I love it. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Look at this verse, because I'm going to show show you another word cloud out of this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, He has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. That's that's good, right? That's the anti-Genesis 27. And you only are given that inheritance, you only are given that blessing because of Jesus Christ. So I was curious. If we bend the knee to God's power and let him reign over our lives, we don't grab the power, we give it to him because he know, we know he has our best interests at heart. What would a word cloud of this passage look like? And here's what it would look like. Isn't that great? All these things are yours through Jesus Christ. In fact, I would venture to say, go out on a limb and say, the words used most in Scripture in the New Testament, after Jesus is revealed to us, are all these things are ours through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. 
When the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. All that God has in his possession is at your disposal. And the power that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work within you. You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to deceive somebody for it. You don't have to cheat. You don't have to do any of that. God is for you. And that's such a great, great concept. I wish any one of these four characters would have grabbed onto. This is your inheritance when you surrender to the power of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful for this message. I'm grateful for what we can learn from this message. Genesis 27 is not a fun chapter, but a heartbreaking one. And the thing that we can learn now that we know, we've had Jesus Christ revealed to us, is that we don't have to grapple for power or position in life. You give us power. Power that overcomes the grave. You give us power to live this life successfully. And I'm grateful for that, the fact that it all comes through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it's with that knowledge that I pray Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, now and forevermore. Amen.